Welcome to the Christian Ministries Church Podcast. We're glad you've joined us to listen to a message from our pastor, Ashley Ellison. We believe God's Word is powerful and that it can be applied to our lives so that we may live victoriously. Let's join Pastor Ashley now as he shares the Word with us. Well, I, I'm, I am excited. I've been waiting for this week to start, and today's the beginning of the week. And I, I just can't tell you how thrilled I am at what's going to take place this week. I believe with all that I am that Christian Ministries Church is going to go to another level with an equipping. And I just think that's where we're at. Our culture conference starts this Thursday night. And just because we're doing a culture conference, I don't really know of anybody who has, but I know that the church has been preaching on it. And, and, and I, I just got to tell you, there's a culture war in America that I've been watching for many years, and it's just getting bigger and bigger. The war is getting bigger and bigger. For us to understand what has happened, we have to understand some definitions. We've got to talk about some definitions of what culture is. Before we get to Thursday night, I want us to be ready to receive what we're going to receive. And so what does it mean when you hear the word culture? I mean, we're talking about a culture conference. Everybody knows what a conference is, and it's not boring. It's exciting. Some people are like, conference? I'm not going to a conference. No, no, this is an equipping for the church. And when we, when we get an understanding of culture, we can understand what we're coming for. See, culture is defined as the characteristic features of everyday existence Shared by people in a place or a time. Now that's real technical. To get a little more simple, it's the way of life for an, for an entire society. It's a way of life. And, and, and then even more specific in someone's individual life, it's living out what you believe. Culture should allow you to live out what you believe. Your culture should allow you to live out what you believe. So what culture are you living by? Because I've watched now for years in the public square, the courthouses, the schools, the everywhere that is a taxpayer entity, and I guess Christians aren't taxpayers. I for some reason, they don't want anything mentioned about our belief in the culture outside of the four walls of a church building. And I i got to tell you that as I understand more and more about culture, I'm realizing there's a war for culture. If you want to get a real specific definition of culture, a culture is a way of life of a group of people. The behaviors, the beliefs, the values, the symbols that they accept, and they accept them generally without even thinking about them. It's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. And, and those values, those symbols, the, those beliefs that they believe and are accepted without thinking about it, they're passed along by communication and imitation from generation to generation. Here's what I can tell you. My grandparents' generation is not acting like the generation that I live in. I hear stories and I think, okay, that's not the way it is now. And you go back to my grandparents' grandparents, and they're totally different than where we're at today. So something has failed to be passed along because we're not guarding culture. We're not taking care of it. And I've watched a separation in this culture, and it's escalated exponentially in the last 18 to 20 years, which happens to be how long this church has been going. Now, I heard something on the news several years ago that was, so it's several years ago, it was a couple years ago, after the pandemic was starting to kind of get to a place that we could move freely and weren't walking in fear, I'm not saying all Christians did, but there was a few, we were walking in an unknown. But then after that was over with, here's what I heard a lot of. We have a new normal. And for those of us that are old enough to remember 
and the plane systems that operated and how you would get on and off a plane and going through all of the little check stations to get on a plane, it totally changed after 9-11. See, there was a new normal. And I thought, oh, man, there's going to be a new normal. And I started listening to that, and I was thinking, this is a new normal. You know what that new normal was trying to do was to change culture. And I think that there was a time and a place that our society embraced a new normal away from the things of God instead of towards the things of God. Now, every news source that you hear information from, I want to let you in on a little secret. They're all coming from a bias. Several years ago, when President Trump was in office, he made a statement from the very beginning, and he kind of ran on this, and then he said it all the time he was there. He called all the national news sources fake news. Now, after a while, I was like, okay, we got it. You don't believe in the news sources. But after he kept saying it long enough, it became something that I was like, can we really believe what we're hearing all the time? Can we believe what we're hearing all the time? Because what they're saying here isn't what I'm hearing over here. And now we've got all of this plethora of information through social media, through different sources coming in to our lives. What do you believe? Because this says this and this says this. And I don't know what to believe. The only thing I can tell you during that time that we're going to believe is the Bible. Because all the sources were coming in. If they didn't line up with the Bible, we found ourselves wondering what we're going to do. Should I wear a mask or should I not wear a mask? I mean, I wanted to go to the Word and said, do not wear a mask. I wanted it somewhere in there. And we had churches, church leaders saying one thing over here and another thing over here. And I found myself in a position that I'm like, everybody has a bias. Everybody has a bias. Well, bias is a prejudice in favor or against one thing, one person, or one group. And what I can tell you is there were people that all said they believed in God that was over here and the other one was over here, and we found them biased on one side or the other. Whether you should take a vaccine or not, if this is your first time here, you're going, oh, my goodness. Really? And I will answer that question, yes, really. Somebody's got to talk about it. And if we can't talk about this in the church and get an understanding of what's going on in our culture, where are you going to get it from? See, there's a bias. The verb of bias is a cause to feel or show inclination for or against someone or something. Well, I got to tell you, I'm biased. I'm biased. Well, that's unfair. No, 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 no. No, it just means I chose a side. So I am biased. I'm very biased. I'm biased on every point because I have a favor. I have a flavor. I have a want for it to be this way. And I want to let you in on something. Every person that you're hearing from is coming from a bias. Now, here's my thought. Just the definition of bias means a prejudice in favor or against one thing, one person, and one group. Here's my bias. My one thing is Christianity. My one person is Jesus. And my one group is Christians. I'm biased. And I don't back down from that. I'm biased. And so here's, here's the problem with what we're hearing taught from a Christian perspective. I'm not against those who are on the other side of the aisle from me. But I'm against their agenda. See, when they're in direct conflict with the one thing, the one person, and the one group that I, let me use this word, identify with. I got a problem. And the thing that I identify with is Christianity, Jesus, and Christians. Now, 
Here's what's hard. Non-biased information as a Christian is difficult. And you're still to love those that you're taking an opposing stand against. You got to be here Thursday night. As we walked through 2019, 2021, there were three people that I watched how they handled life and what they did. And what I saw them do was create a culture in their church that allowed them to stand against the wiles or the trickeries of the enemy. That's why I have Dwayne Sheriff, Tim Brooks, and Stephen Sexton coming to this culture conference. They were three men that I watched navigate, and I heard from, and I talked to, and I actually copied a lot of, of what they were doing and how they were leading, and we got on the same page, and we walked through this as pastors that God had called for the church. Now, it's a tough place for us to be right now. See, in the flesh, there are times, i got to be honest, that I get pretty frustrated. In fact, I get pretty mad. And in the flesh, I want to go punch somebody in the face who's trying to tell my daughter, my granddaughter, my grandson that it's okay to be born a man and then act like a woman. And then they start saying that they're coming out and they're warring against Christianity. Let me just tell you, it's hard for me not to say, come on over here, I'll punch you in the face. That's the flesh, but I've got to make sure that my flesh doesn't rule. I've got to put to death the things of the flesh. And so I've got to walk by the Spirit, and I'm to love them, I'm to bless them as they curse me, and I'm to pray for them as they use me. I'm telling you, you don't want to miss Thursday night. Tim and Dwayne, I can't wait for them to equip this church on how to face the culture that we're facing. Luke 6, 27 and 28 says, But to you who are willing to listen, I say love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who hurt you. I really have talked to Jesus about this. This is a tough one for me. Jesus, I, I'm, I, I'm re- this is tough. Another translation will say, pray for those that spitefully use you. I'm seeing that at an all-time high. People, be, just, people being used and I, just acting like they're waiting for the next word to come out of a Christian's mouth so they can just attack them. That's what they're waiting for. No, it's a tough place. Tough place to be. See, Christianity is in a lot of ways in this world a balancing act, and it doesn't mean we're straddling the fence. But I've got to explain this. See, we've got to be bold, but we've also got to operate in love. However, it's also an act in your boldness of not backing down. So I can't back down, and I still got to operate in love, and and I. I'm not going to fold to things that are in direct opposition to his word. And so I'll reject those things, but I still got to love those people who are embracing those. Man, it's a tough place to be. It's a tough place. We're living in terrible times, and we're living in troubled times, and we're living in times that for a Christian, you've got to choose a side. And you've got to recognize that there's a war. See, we, we too long... And I, 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 this message was given to me 25 years ago, and I heard it preached, and I'm not preaching this message, but just a little small part of it is Christianity is not a spectator sport. See, it's not something you do as just watching on the sideline. We watch and take, a spectator watches and takes no act apart. Now, I'm a good spectator, and I like to watch things. I even like people watching. Anybody like people watching? used to go to the mall to watch people. Now you just go to Walmart. <laughs> but I'm, I'm like, I watch people and I'm like, seriously? Seriously? Where did you get that color for your hair? If, if I'm, I'm, I better go on. That wasn't in my notes. That just kind of fell out. I'd... Who dressed you when you were growing up? Obviously, you did, and you never were trained or taught anything. 
I just, I, I spectate and I watch and Michelle and I talk about. You know what spectators are really good at? We're good at being critical. We are, man. We are the most critical people you'll ever, because we live in a spectator world. You know, right here at Christian Ministry Church, we have 14 screens that are active on a weekly basis here. Not to mention, and I didn't count them all, there's probably over 300 when you add all of your screens that you have in your hand every day. We are screen people. We really are. I mean, we watch, we watch, we watch, and most of it is entertaining to us. We've learned to be really good at watching and criticizing or finding what we embrace. See, it's a form of entertainment, social media, form of entertainment. And once in a while, we'll get info from it. But for the most part, there's one piece of information and hundreds of things that you're entertained by. Now, it's not a new concept. I don't know if you remember, there was a time when there was commercials. And that's when you'd get up and run to the restroom. Now you can just fast forward through them. But there, spectator Christianity is really not what God is looking for. Yeah. Now, my belief is that our culture is really, right now, society I will define that as the culture I'm talking about right now. Society is going to pot. And it's because we, God's people, are standing on the sidelines watching it as spectators. That's what we're doing. We're just watching. In fact, for the most part, we actually look like the culture. And I've been dealing with this, and I, I really prayed whether I should share this or not, but just went out to eat night before last, and this gentleman had been in the restaurant and came out. It's one of my favorite restaurants. I've got several. And this gentleman came out and, I mean, started telling us how he'd been there two hours. And it was just a horrible, horrible wait. The people didn't care about nothing, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, maybe we ought to go somewhere else. And he goes, no, it's the best food you'll ever eat. So it's worth the wait. Well, and then he went off. And I mean, he was using a curse word every other word. And I found myself listening to him. And then he started bragging on how beautiful my wife was. And I thought, okay, you're a good guy. She is beautiful. You're right. I can handle that. But then we'd use some more curse words. And I'm like, okay, what point do I say something? And then he admitted to he had had one too many drinks at this restaurant. And he was a little on the drunk side. And he just, I don't know why I attract this except for that maybe after I left this, I was like, hmm, he didn't know which side I was on. To cuss like that in front of me, to act like he was doing in front of me, he either thought I was drunk or I was on his team and going in there to do what he had just done. The only thing I agreed with what he said was how beautiful my wife was and that he had left a good tip because he thought their food was real good. But the rest of it was cussing and horrible. And after he left, I'm telling you, I haven't been able to get this guy out of my mind. I've been praying for him. And I thought, who are you, you, you stinking pastor? Talking about myself. More importantly, who are you, man of God, son of God? who claims Christianity, and he didn't even know you were one. He left not knowing you were one. Y'all are holy priests, and I just gave my confession. <laughs> I, I myself find myself spectating way too much. Come on. Wow. Are, are you getting this? That's, it's just so easy to do in a culture that's so woke, a culture that have accepted things that, weren't acceptable in my day and time. He left and we were talking about maybe we ought to go tell somebody because he's getting ready to get in a vehicle and drive. And then I thought later, what if he'd killed somebody right out on the street? And what if it was someone I knew and I did nothing? I need Thursday just as much as everyone here. I need today just as much as everyone here. We all have failed and come short of the glory of God. Now, we can repent, and we can be right back in right standing, but at what point does our repentance move us into action? I just, there is a fight, 
And Melanie did such a great job on Sunday. And if you didn't hear it, you've got to go back and listen. She set this message up by what she preached on Sunday, fighting by faith. There is a fight. You don't have to admit it. You can stand on the sidelines and watch. But at some point, it's going to be brought to your front door. And you're going to have to make a decision. A retired Marine was quoted saying, I was a good Marine, but I never got a chance to prove it. He was asked what he meant by that. and He said he was a Marine after the Korean War, but before the Vietnam War. Since I was in between wars, I never got a chance to fight. Therefore, I never had the chance to prove what a good Marine I was. What a great story. You're not between wars. You're in the middle of a war, and you have a chance to prove that your Christianity is real and that you can make a difference. We've been studying. We've been hearing about you will have to fight, and I believe that we have just watched too long. No longer can we watch the change that's taking place in every aspect of our culture. Come on, we got to do something. we got to do something. Well, what do we do? That's why we're having a culture conference. I want some one, two, threes. Here's what we do, and I'm going to talk a little bit about it today. If culture is defined by the behaviors that are accepted and then become our way of life, the beliefs that are accepted and become our way of life, the values that are accepted and become our way of life, the symbols that are accepted and become our way of life, and that is what then what we're going to pass down to our kids and who they become, we got to wake up. John Wesley, John Wesley, he, he has a great, some great quotes, but one of my favorites is, what one generation tolerates, the next generation embraces. Moms, dad, are you tolerating our culture? Your kids will embrace it. You better watch it. I want each one to know today that you're not in between wars, you're right in the middle. Smack dab in the middle of a culture war in America. A war for truth, a war for biblical morality, a war for right, a war for common decency, a war for courtesy, just how to operate with kindness. You don't have people opening the doors anymore. A war for a godless society or a godly society or a godless We're in a war. Which one are we? The title today is the culture war of America. And this is a war on what Christians stand for. The war is over a way of life. It's a war over marriage, a war over life. When it starts, a war over right to take a life, a war over race, a war over gender, a war over how to parent, a war on how to educate. See, a war, a war over who we can pray to or who we can pray with or where, a war over who we can arrest, a war over personal responsibility, health, education, who feeds you, what is your part, a war over a right to carry a gun, a war over your own safety and how you minister that, a war over our border and immigration, a war over whether or not the United States remains sovereign, a war over who to take care of who, a war, a war, a war. The government is treating people like animals that need taken care of and they're trying to make every decision for us, and we're not zoo animals that need taken care of. We have a Savior who already took care of us. There's, there has to be something done. We're created by God with inalienable rights given to us by our Creator to run our homes, families, businesses, and to take care of ourselves. Now, I'm on a rant. You can either take a side or you can withdraw and stand on the sidelines and eventually be forced to. And if you're forced to, I can tell you, you won't like what happens when the forcing comes. See, when you sit there and do nothing like I have done, and each one of us probably have at some point, you got to know that it's coming to you and you'll be forced. And I, I just, I, I like freedom. We have battles going on all around us, and sometimes it's hard to know which one to engage in. Come on. There's a war for all of those, and which one do I take up? I don't know which ones are affecting you and your kids. They all are. Okay, well, we're not talking about California anymore. Wars in our schools, wars in our morality, wars in politics, you know, they can argue over what road to pave and what degree it gets paved. I've seen that. I've been a part of that. Praise God, we kind of won. We got a chip and seal, not full payment, but we got one. So, there's wars in politics. I get that. But when they start legislating what bathroom, when they start legislating that you have to make a cake for a marriage that is not defined in Scripture, 
when your child goes to college or is on a swim team and they're swimming against a biological male and they say, oh, it's okay. Why have women's sports? I, I, and see, we're being forced to be okay with this. We're already legislating gender issues, legislating what is taught in our critical race theory. Come on. Well, I don't even know anything about it. Well, you might want to know. See, there, there's a clear line. You're either on one side or the other. And standing on the sidelines, I'm just telling you, I can tell you what side you're acting like you're on. You're acting like a woke culture. Morality is the principles that govern, the principles that concern us and give us distinction between right and wrong, good and bad behavior. And morals are generally looked at by what is accepted in society. Now, Character. See, that's morality. Here's character. Character is the mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual. Now, good character is only defined by what is observed as good morals. When you look and you define character, it's all based on your moral code. You think someone has a good character because you think they have good morals. And morality is only defined by what has been accepted, taught, learned, and believed. Now, without principles of what is right and wrong, morality, you can't define character. And we're calling people's character okay because we don't have a moral code. Well, where do you get your moral code? It's out of the Word. And people don't know the Word anymore. Mark 13, 13. Everyone will hate you because you're my followers. Since starting Christian Ministries Church, I have experienced more hatred towards me than I've ever thought that I would ever want in my whole life. Letters, people in church. I'm talking about hate. Like you, I, The hate Michelle and I have had to go through crying on each other's shoulders, what, that wasn't our heart. That wasn't our heart. But I'm talking about, hey, you, he, here's a word of encouragement from Jesus in red letters. Everyone will hate you because you're my followers. Well, guess what? Not everybody has yet. I still got work to do. <laughs> Everyone will hate you because you're my followers. Romans chapter 5, verse 3. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Character relies on morality, and morality relies on the Word of God. And character, without defined by morals, and morality is only given by the church and the Word, if it's going to be right, you won't have any hope. I'm sick and tired of Christians acting like they don't have any hope. The reason they don't is because they're not operating on a moral code, which is producing character, which then will give them hope, and we got some hope. We got hope. Well, you just don't know what I've gone through. Get your morals right. Get you a code of morals based on the Word of God. Get you some character, and then you get you some hope. Hope has to take place before action will ever be moved. Nobody moves into action something they don't believe in. That's why Christians are standing on the sideline because we're not standing on a moral code with no character. And are you getting this? Hmm. Character relies on morality. Psalm 26, verse 3. I'm always aware of your unfailing love, David said. I have lived according to your truth. Society wants to give you a truth. Here's what you need to believe. Here's the truth of the matter. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. I can tell you there's only one truth, and that's the Word of God. And any time it comes into violation or conflict against that, that's not truth. That's a lie. God's truth is all that matters, and we got to be able to speak His truth. Psalm 86, 13, teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to your truth. Are you praying that prayer? God, teach me your ways so I can live according to your truth. I want to live according to what you say. Well, what do you say? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. 
Here's where we've got to get some culture defined. In chapter 4 of Ephesians, verse 11, it says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. That's what I see the church needs to be. Now, let's keep reading in verse 14. Then we won't be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We'll not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. Oh, it's so hard. Growing in every way and more like Christ, who's the head of his body, the church. The way you grow to be more like Jesus is to speak the truth in love, and you don't speak it till you have some maturity. Now, Jesus, Jesus is our example. And we're to live like him, Christ-like. And to live like Jesus, you have to marry love and truth. And if I love someone, I wouldn't sit here and watch them destroy themselves. If I had truth that would help them. Come on, we got some truth to help people. And we're like this. But you know what we're not? We're not like this. We're like this. We're not going to open our mouth, but we're going to watch everybody live like they're going to hell, live like the culture is woke. We're just going to, the Bible says to speak the truth in love. See, truth, let me give you a real nugget here today. Truth is learned. Truth is learned. Trust is earned. You know who you trust? You trust those who operate in the truth that you have learned. And if your truth is the culture that you're facing and the way they're all operating, and we got kids in school that we have to put litter boxes in the bathroom so that they can go act like they're a cat, and we think that's okay. Somebody told you that that's just true. Somebody didn't whoop that kid. Somebody didn't teach them correct values and morals. Someone is looking at their characters okay because they're not living by a moral code. And they don't have any hope because they haven't spoke in truth and love. What, what are we doing? What are we doing? See, truth is learned and trust is earned. A real nugget here. Your truth will totally allow you to live a life that people will trust you but only based on what your truth and their truth line up like. Now, I got a whole bunch to talk about that, and I'm going to talk about it Friday night. But people aren't operating on the truth of God's Word. It doesn't mean you can't love them, but I'll not sit on the sidelines anymore and not get equipped to know how to fight this battle for our culture. Come on, we're seeing it every day. Thursday night's imperative, Friday night's imperative, Saturday morning. This is tough. What is the right way to fight for morality and character and for a God way of life? It starts with you and I not accepting and allowing and knowing what to accept, what not to accept, and what to allow into my life. Where do you get that? The Word of God. How do you get equipped through it? The church. See, you read it. And then you come to church, and the gifts that Christ gave the church in Ephesians 4, 11, 12 is what's going to tell you how to operate and what to do. As you read it, it comes to life because God gave those gifts to equip us to go out and change our culture. This is tough. It's just tough. and it, It's just we've got to get equipped, and then it's not so hard. But we've got a culture of Christians that aren't equipped. And I can tell you that in 2004, God laid on Michelle and I's heart the church that you're sitting in today. And from its beginning, it had a bias. It had a way of thinking. And it had a flavor. 
and it had a way that we wanted things done. Now, it was all based on what God had laid on our hearts. I really wanted to be around a bunch of people who wanted to live the Bible out God's way. That's what I wanted. That was my heart. I just wanted to be around a bunch of people. Well, the only people I could find was Michelle and our two girls that had to because we told them to. So it started with Michelle and I and our two girls at our living room coffee table. And we realized that there had to be more people that had that same desire. See, schools weren't teaching how to live the Bible daily. So I was having a problem with our kids being in a school that was trying, we were all the time trying to fight the agenda. And that was 18, 19 years ago. We just found ourselves continually going in. What are you teaching them today? What are you doing today? Your discipline manner. We appreciate that the whole class gets disciplined. We just want you to know that if, if you're going to discipline the whole class, it's going to be worse for our child when they get home. We're gonna, I'm going to whoop the fire out of her now. If she got in trouble at school, she's going to get in trouble. I'm on your team. Now, I remember the teacher saying, oh, don't do that. She's not been any problem at all. I said, the whole class got in trouble. She's part of the whole class. If you're going to discipline the whole class, I'm getting ready to get on your page, and I'll do my part as a parent. And if every parent does, you won't have any problem anymore. She said, that's not the way it works here. And I said, okay, well, then you're doing something counter to what I'm trying to produce. That's not what I want to do. I I want to do what God has called me to do. Well, I remember the principal of the school at the time saying, hey, you either got to embrace what's going on here or start your own. Well, I didn't start it based on a frustration, but the frustration added to the call. The frustration for the way it was going, somebody had to do something. And Michelle and I, we we were praying, God, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And this is before the church was even here. So we pulled them out and started homeschooling, and I praise God for homeschoolers. We pulled them out, and I started thinking, okay, this is awesome, except for I knew that God had called them to be an influence in other kids' lives, not, not to be the missionary, but to be something that could set a standard and say, this is the way we operate. And so we started a school not because we just wanted to, or had, but we were in war. And I didn't realize it at the time. I was one of the only ones seeing it 18 to 20 years ago in the culture we were in. Now, we had a few homeschool parents that we knew of, but it was hard. It was a hard position. And so what do we do? And so God just kind of one step at a time submitted to him. He didn't give me the whole plan. I had no idea we'd be sitting here on this hill that used to be a pastor in a gym talking. I didn't know all of that. God would, if he'd have told me all that then, I'd have quit. If he'd have told me all the people that were going to hate me, even though he did, I just didn't read it enough, I, I, I probably would have backed up. But everywhere we turned, we were seeing ungodly decisions that we were trying to be involved with, and it was tough. What do you do? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Y'all still with me? You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They'll be boastful, they'll be proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They'll consider nothing sacred. They'll be unloving and unforgiving. They'll slander others and have no self-control. They'll be cruel, hate what is good. They'll betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, love pleasure rather than God. They'll act religious, but they'll reject the power that could make them godly. And before, you've already read that last line, but before I say it, let me just say, that was what I was trying to be around. That's what I was trying to figure out how to navigate in culture. And then Paul says to Timothy, stay away from people like that. Okay, God, that's not going to be popular in all of my friend groups, in fact, one of my dearest friend's wife got really mad at us and said, you're the reason why public school is failing. What? Yeah, all the good parents are pulling their kids out. Hate started. Hatred started. 
And I'm telling you, it, it shook me. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I don't, I don't know what's going on. Maybe I... People acting religious but rejecting the power that would make them godly. I was seeing it. And you know, that was 18 years ago, 19 years ago, 20 years ago. And for those of you that are 18, 19, 20, 21, or younger, you're going, I don't even know anything about that day and time. Ask your mom and daddy or your grandparents. But what I'm telling you is 18, 19, 20 years ago, it's escalated. Society's even more difficult. See, the, the Bible says to stay away from people like that. And then the cult culture is telling you, the Christian culture is saying, no, do you think that if Jesus was here on this earth today, he'd be in the church? No, he'd be out in the bars. And I'm like, you are so ignorant. I'm not saying he didn't go to a tax collector's home, but he's Jesus and he led them out of there. You, you go and you'll fish them out. When you go fishing, you don't throw it in and say, oh, I hope we don't catch anything because I want to leave the fish in the water. Right. Yeah. You pull them out. Yeah. Yeah. You don't go live in that environment. You pull them out. Yeah. See, there's a pulling out. And so I, I realized that, that there was a bunch of people that were creating culture, but they weren't creating the culture that I saw God wanted created. Yeah. And somebody had to do something. And I today want to tell you that I'm not giving up and I'm not quitting, and I pray that you won't either. Somebody's got to do something. See, church, church had become in my life 25, 30 years ago, it would become a part of my life. And I know I'm talking to some today that will either hear this on podcast or may even be sitting here today. Church is a part of your life, but church needs to become your life. It's a part of it, but it's not really your life. And I'm not talking about you need to be a pastor, but it's not just something that you did. It's something that you lived. That's got to be what defines you. Michelle and I have seen God's way. I'm, I'm just talking in the last 25 years. We've seen submitting to God change our marriage. It's changed our finances. It's changed our teaching of how we raised our kids. It's changed our entertainment. It's changed what we listen to on the radio. And I got ridiculed for that. I'm just telling you time and time again, it changed our lives and it gave us a desire to create culture in our lives around and surrounding people that we didn't need to stay away from. We need it in our life. My, my heart, my heart has been since 2004, to have a church that created culture. Really, that's it. And I, I don't want people just acting religious and rejecting the power that would make them godly. I want people that are, I'm doing life with that have embraced yes. the Lord. Yeah. Now, let me give as a disclaimer, we've not done everything perfect. And you can amen that, it's okay. But it's always been with a heart to serve the one who did it all perfect. Amen. See, that's always been the heart. And we want his culture, which means you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to fight. We as a church are fighting to keep or to get to a God-fearing culture, a God-loving culture, a God-respected culture, a God-honoring culture, a God-taught culture. The church is going to have to offer a counter to culture. We're going to have to offer a counter, something different. We're going to have to offer something that is different than what we are seeing. You can't just keep watching. Did you get that? You can't just keep watching. I, I, I got to tell you, I read a book that really inspired this culture conference. And, and I I, I really felt like today was the day to share this before we get to Thursday. And here's, here's the book I, I read. It's called Counterculture, and it was written by Dwayne Sheriff, who will be here for the whole conference. So Counterculture 
as I read it, it identified my thoughts over the last 25 years that Michelle and I have seen. In fact, I, I was so intrigued by hearing him talk about these things on podcast during the pandemic and how we've got to create culture because right now our culture is defunct. It's not right. And so I, I, I listened to him say that on podcast, didn't even know he had a book, but I'd hear him say some things, and I was so drawn to Dwayne that Michelle and I reached out to him, and we said, we've got to meet with you. And I, it took some work to get an appointment with this guy. He's a, he's a pastor of nine different churches in Oklahoma, Colorado, and Texas, and, and, and Victory Life Church is the, the church that he pastors. He's on the board of Andrew Womack in uh, Colorado, and, and so he's, he's got a lot of responsibilities. And I thought, okay, you're kind of barking up a tree of somebody who probably ain't even going to give you the time of day. But I'm pretty persistent. And Jill's even more so than me. And I said, Jill, sick him. And we worked, and we called, and we worked, and we called. And I, I mean, my first talking to him was, I, I heard him speak publicly. Um, and, and the first time I really got to visit with him, I said, hey, I, I'd like to sit down and visit with you. He goes, well, I'm booked out about four years. I thought, okay. <laughs> well, I'm not waiting four years. I don't know what I got to do, so Jill helped me. And she did, and I got an appointment. And a few months ago, we sat down. And he was talking to me about so much that was already my heart. See, I, I realized real quick I could trust him because his truth was identical to mine. Did you hear that in the message today? I realized I could trust him. I'm telling you, you all are going to be blessed hearing Dwayne Sheriff. He'll be here Thursday night. And I, I've, he taught so much. And I got this book. And this book was all about teaching the church how to counter. And I'm not talking about the church as the pastor. I'm talking about we as God's people, the church, the bride of Christ, teaching them how to counter what's going on in our culture. Now, I would just place a book in your hand and say, y'all read this. And you'd get a lot from it. But I'm telling you, there's an anointing upon the word when it goes forth. And we're called to cultivate and counter the culture and live different. We're to live a kingdom culture. Matthew eleven twelve, 12, the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it. Wow. Wow. The kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people... Are you not seeing that? An attack every time you turn the corner. We're no longer just having differences of opinion, and that's what we used to have. Just differences of opinion. It's no longer that. There's a hatred for an attempt to eliminate anything that God calls good. There's just an attack. Romans 1.30, they're backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, boastful, and they even invent new ways of sinning. Whoa. I want to end with this today. John Adams, he wrote, Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. There are some moral absolutes that our society has gone away from, and we're teaching it to our kids in the public school systems. There's got to be a counter. There's got to be a counter. You wait, Well, why does Christian ministries have a Christian school? Because we're trying to offer a counter to what kids are being taught. If you weren't here Thursday night, I watched the kindergarten, first, second, and third grade answer questions that I come sometimes wonder if I can answer. <laughs> I was like, good grief. They're all saying things. And yeah, they may not understand every word they said, but it was phenomenal. Yeah. And then they get up and quote all of Psalm 100. How many of you can do that? See, I'm, I'm just, whoa. I bet Rachel can. But here... There's some moral absolutes, God's righteousness, love, basic decency towards our fellow man, justice, 
Mercy, grace. Come on, grace is when we get what we don't deserve. Mercy is when we don't get what we deserve. Forgiveness. Reconciliation. Reconciliation. God reconciled himself to us. We're to reconcile ourselves with people who say, okay, I was wrong. We'll reconcile them, bring them back. We're called to speak out, stand up in loving opposition to a dominant culture of hate, death, and darkness. In both word and deed, we're to be a culture of love, life, and light. That's what we are to be. And we have a culture that will counter if we're equipped to counter it. If you're not equipped to counter it, you're going to keep watching as a spectator from the sidelines. And I'm telling you, it's not going to do any good. We've got to get equipped, church. This pastor's got to get equipped. I'll be sitting right here on the front row taking every note I can. I want to be trained. I want to be equipped. I want to learn what we as God's people can do to counter this woke culture that we're watching on the news every night if you turn the TV on. I've just I've already said it. This isn't California we're talking about. We're talking about the war is right here. Hurley, Clever, Galena, Rogersville, Ozark, Nixa, Springfield, Willard, Halltown, Marionville, Sparta, Spokane, Crane, Aurora, Monette, Republic, Highlandville, Spoke, Battlefield, Billings, all of these. Why would you build a church in the middle of nowhere? It's not. Where'd you come from? Over there. Where'd you come from? Where'd you come from over here? Where'd you come from over here? Where'd you come from over here? What are you doing here? We are creating a culture, a culture, a church culture that will take on and counter what's going on in the world. Y'all stand with me this morning. I'm telling you, Thursday night's going to be the greatest thing you've ever been a part of. And I know that it starts Thursday night. I really think it just started this morning. Let's be in prayer, and let's believe for a great, great weekend. Be here Wednesday night. We're going to get prepared for all that God's going to be doing Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. Pick up some of the flyers on your way out. They're back In the back corner, somebody will give you a flyer. Get a flyer, get a flyer. Take it, broadcast it. I know we've been talking about it for weeks, and sometimes it just becomes, oh, you're talking about that again. It's here. It's going to be awesome. Bring you a notebook. Bring you a phone. You can use your phone. You can use whatever you want. Bring you a tablet. Bring you a little computer. I don't care, but get some training and get equipped to go out and fight this woke culture that's trying to take over. And we've got kids. Come on, we got kids that's got to know God. And we can't keep just pacifying what's going on because our kids will end up embracing it. Did you get that today? Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church where it's more than a church, it's family.